In studio with me is my good friend, Ben Martin, former Army Ranger, patriotic historian, and you know the Federalist Papers, and you have a love for them. Do. I very much do. So uh, James uh, Madison, Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, and John Jay wrote this to make the case for ratifying the Constitution. That's very, that's very correct. And when we talk about reading, you had talked about that before, and I wanted to say something really quickly about that, about the good things that you read. When you read this, everyone has always called this, this is the language of statesmanship. And when you read this, the first time you read it, maybe the second time you read it, it's sort of difficult to understand because we don't talk that way today. We talk in slang. And these people talk like they were talking to, they were talking to someone they respected, and that was the American people. We don't have a lot of politicians that feel that way today. I think about the American people. No. These people did, and they knew history. They knew what was going on. And so when we talk today, I want to go back to 9 and 10 in the Federalist Papers because I think they need to be emphasized very much. You have to remember the anxiety that the folks like Hamilton and Madison are feeling at this time. They're not sure, like we are today, that the Constitution is going to be successful or that it's even going to be ratified. And so very much they have the anxiety and they have to make the argument against it. Now, when Hamilton first started with the Federalist Papers, he thought there would be 10 to 25, maybe. That's how many he thought would be there instead of the 85 that it ended up being. So we're talking about 9 and 10. We're talking about he thinks maybe he's halfway finished right now, and he has to make this important argument. And it can be said that this is the most important argument at the time because when the Federalists look out and they see the Anti-Federalists arguing against him, they also see not only the Anti-Federalists against them and against the ratification of the Constitution, but so is history. And so is political philosophy at this time. The people that they quoted most when making our, fa- our, our foundation of our government, as well as our Constitution, they, that was Montesquieu. And Montesquieu was against this. He said, in, in all of these people, especially Montesquieu, pointed to the fact that to have a, rep- a republic like we were trying to put together with the, dec- with the Constitution was was impossible. That's what they said. It wasn't improbable. It was impossible. This had never been done in history before. And the philo- all the philosophers that were political said, this won't happen again. And, and so they're thinking about this and they're saying, what can we do? How can we make this argument? And those arguments are made in 9 and 10, and that's why I want to go back to them. Okay. In 9, they talk about... They, they, about all of the different things. They talk about history. They go back to history and they talk about the the republics or the democracies, which we call them at the time, of, of ancient Greece and how they came together to defeat the strongest army in the world, the strongest military power, which was the Persian Empire. And then after they had had this great victory that was unlikely at the time that that would, that would actually happen, then they go back and then they start fighting with each other. It sounds a whole lot like our history when all of our states, our independent states, came together and fought successfully against the strongest military power of the time, the British Empire. 
And then they go back to coming back together and living under this confederation that they have, the, under the Articles of Confederation. And, and they start pulling apart. They start fighting with each other. And it looks like we're going to lose our nation that we put together through mm -hmm. the Revolutionary War. And so they're saying, we've got to do something. So they start looking about making this argument, first of all, that... Republican government, representative government, is possible. And then not only is it possible, but that it is the best government out there. They save that really until the second half of the, of the Federalist Papers mm -hmm. when they go into specifics about the government that we fashioned through the Constitution and why it's so good. But right now they have to make that general that, that general argument, and they have to make it persuasive enough so that everybody will continue going through this ratification with them. Okay. And right now, you know, New York is really big. So the, those things, first of all, I talked about history, that we talk about the, those republics and they see what happened in the ancient Greek world. They see what happened in the Republic of Rome, which turned from the republic to an empire and then went into civil war again and almost destroyed themselves uh, and then finally did destroy themselves and we lost the, the Roman Empire, which is the one that used the most. So that's history. And then we start looking at philosophy and we look most at this man named Montesquieu, Baron Montesquieu, who was a Frenchman. And he had said that it is impossible to have a republic of such a large size that republics have to be confined to a very small area. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at any one of our states, but especially our big states, that was way too big for that to be possible to have a small republic. And, and they thought that that's the only size republic that could actually exist mm -hmm. and be successful as a small republic. So they started making that, that, that argument at this thing. And they said, yes, it's true. We agree that what Montesquieu said and, and what history has told us that that's not possible. But we have an improved science of politics. And then he starts talking about that. And remember, these two... These two essays, number nine and number ten, are written by two different people. Nine is written by Hamilton, and then ten is written by Madison. But they achieve what they wanted to achieve by that pseudonym called Publius, and that this all came from the same mind. And so that was really important, too. When you read these, you can't tell... You can't tell that there's a difference in the authorship of either either one of these, and I think that's that's really that's important astounding. when we do that. It is astounding, and when you look all through the all through the Federalist Papers, all 85, it's really hard to tell that there was a distinction between the authorship. So that we talk about those things that that he talks about here, and we talk about the improved science of government. And I know we have a limited time, but I'm, so I'm trying to give you the most important things. And what was this new improved science of of politics which would work? And these are the things that they talk about, and and we talk about those in our Constitution very well. And we'll talk about them again in more detail in 51 when we. Okay. When we talk about the separation of powers and what the powers are, but the regular distribution of power into distinct okay, departments. You know what? Let's let's have okay. a cliffhanger. Okay. Let's go to break, and then when we come back, you can let us know what they were saying that the, are those important things. So we're going to go to break. I have Ben Martin in the studio with me. We're talking about the Federalist Papers, and want to make sure that you all know that this particular these segments. 
each month are brought to you by uh, the Harris family. Uh, they care deeply about the, uh, the Constitution and the Federalist Papers, and so that is why we're able to bring this to you is because of the Harris family, and I am eternally grateful to them for that. We're going to go to break. Ben Martin, let's continue on. on we're talking about Federalist 9 and 10 and why they're so important. We'll be right back. We're jumping back in here regarding the Federalist Papers. And again, thank you to the Harris family for bringing this to you. Ben Martin in studio, former Army Ranger, patriotic historian. We're talking about Federalist 9 and 10. 9 was written by Hamilton, 10 by Madison. You say these are so important. And um, Montesquieu said it's not possible. And they're going to they're gonna say it is possible. Yes, he says it is possible. In history, it said it is possible. So they've got all this stacked against them, and then they're fighting against the anti-federalists who are also are saying it's impossible, and they're citing Montesquieu, and they're citing history. And they all know history, which is one of the things that, that we lack very much today, and what you were talking about with civics, it, it's the same thing. So anyway, they say in number nine, when they talk about the structure, they talk about the improved science of, of government, the improved science of politics that will make this possible, and Hamilton is making that. And he comes up with this, with these things are what he calls the improvements in their written, the improvements in the science of politics. And so I'm going to just name them really quickly so we understand. The regular distribution of power into distinct departments, which we have. You know, we talk about the three different branches of government. Then he talks about the introduction of legislative balances and checks. Not checks and balances, balances and checks. That changes later on in our language. The institution of courts imposed uh, that they're composed of judges holding their their tenure during times of of their good behavior. So we're, we're talking about the independence of the judi- judiciary. Okay. And then we're talking about the representation of people, which we have there in the legislature by the deputies of their own election. He says these are wholly new discoveries or have made their principal progress towards perfection in modern times. They are the means, this is a really beautiful quote that he has, they are the means and powerful means by which the excellence of Republican government may be retained and its imperfections lessened or avoided. So that is what number nine talks about. And, and, and it's a very good one. He uses a lot of this uh, the history lessons to talk about that we really can do this by using these things. And then he talks about a consolidated government. He says, you know, you have to have a government that has a strong central part that can direct things in timely fashion. And that's why you had to have a unitary executive. Mm-hmm. So he talks about having this. But when you have in the old, in the uh, history of governments, that when you have a unitary executive, he becomes a despot. Mm-hmm. And then everybody loses their liberty. So we had had a confederation before in the Articles of Confederation where everybody has more liberty and the, the power is distributed. Because they were so concerned about a king. They were so concerned about a king because they had lived under a king and they didn't like that at all. They came away from that with these great principles of liberty in the Declaration of Independence, but they couldn't put it all together to make a good government. The Articles of Confederation was pulling us apart and uh, destroying what we had created during the Revolutionary War and with the, with the uh, Declaration of Independence. So then we go to number 10. And we say, okay, in number 10, we talk about you can't have this republic over an extended area. And so not only does Madison make the argument that you can have a republic over an extended 
over an extended area, but you can also, it also helps you to defeat faction. And faction is what is the, the predominant destroyer of republics. And so he says, not we're going we're gonna to take what these uh, political philosophers said, uh, Montesquieu, uh, Thomas Hobbes, and we're going to say that we can make a republic, a, a, a self-government, because everybody said self-government was impossible. We're going to make a self-government over an extended period uh, or an extended area. So it's called extending the sphere, and that's what he, that's what the, People that look at political science have said over and over again that that was the greatest thing that we contributed to the science of politics, we as Americans. So, Ben Martin, this seems what they're talking about to uh, to to make factions less effective. Right. You know, but what what we're seeing over here, I think, with this intersectionality thing a, yes. with the identity politics is they they're working to create factions, aren't they? This is the same thing. Right. This is the same thing was happening back then that is happening now. Pulling apart and creating your own little factions, which is what the states were doing. They all wanted their independence and then they wanted to be able to manipulate foreign powers. They wanted to be able to have their own little agreements between other states that they liked against other states that they didn't like. And so we were pulling apart. We were having this, you know, what intersectionality or whatever you want to call it. I mean, you know, but they were pulling apart by doing this. And so he said, how do we bring this back together? And so that's when they came up with this concept of federalism, where we have a state, we have a central government that can bring everybody together. We have a unitary executive that can make decisions quickly when it's necessary, when we're faced with an emergency or we're faced with a foreign power, we're faced with a war, something that doesn't conform to the normal administration mm-hmm. of the government. You have to do it really quickly, and you have to have that. But And that's when we can bring all of these states together to consolidate it. But we have, what we have done is we've made not only what was talked about in number nine, but we're talking about now this enumerated powers that are limited by the national by the national government, and they're all seen for everybody out there to look at in our Constitution in Article 1, Section 8, where we talk about those are the limited powers, those are the ones that are expressed, that are enumerated in our Constitution. That's one of the things we've gotten away from in our our federal government today, the expansion of it, the statism that we talk about now, because we've gone past those in so many areas, and we need to bring that back. So they talked about that, and then they talked about the other powers that are not that are not enumerated in our constitution and are held by our national government all belong to the state government so that they can administer their local areas the way they want to and you know we have our states we have different representation in the states for their legislatures and we have different type of powers and we have different policies in every state and so they can operate those things the way they want through the local things, but then they have to be able to come together. And so this is the best of both worlds. This is a combination, and this is what makes the argument that we can do that. And then the other thing he talks about, when we extend the sphere, we have a greater number of people with a greater number of interest and a, a greater, you know, more diversity, too, mm-hmm. to talk about that. But that doesn't make for... 
in this type of government, it doesn't make for more controversy, more reasons to pull the government apart. But what Madison makes the argument is that when you have such a large sphere, extending the sphere, remember I said that's mm-hmm. the principle, mm-hmm. the greatest principle that we contributed to the to the science of politics, you it's really hard to get a majority together on any one of these special interests. You know, so the, so you can't have that. And that's what he's saying, that not only is it, is it uh, possible that we can have a republic, a self-government over an extended sphere, but it actually makes it better because it defeats, the, the def- defeats factionalism. Well, and so what you're saying, Ben Martin, is you, you have the diversity right. of all of these individuals. Correct. And so what we're seeing now in America with this, quote-unquote, intersectionality of pushing people into groups, as uh, Caldera mentioned in this article, then taking those groups and forcing, you know, curriculum and forcing the narrative. So what we're seeing is, is it's starting to constrict the different views out there because they're putting people in these groups and making them identify with that. And so what, (laughs) what's old is new. You know what? We've been here before and we, I think we can take heart with this is we've been here before. We have, but the thing that's, differentiates us today is that our people do not understand the lessons from history. And then that's what that what we always talk about, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. And that's what I'm afraid is happening, can happen right now, if we don't do that. We're trying to throw the Constitution out. We're trying to say, you know, we can do whatever we want. We don't have to listen to those old white guys. Well, those old white guys were very intelligent. They were very wise. And they had two things that our Constitution says you have to have. This is what our Constitution is to support. Individual rights... That's the one. Mm -hmm. And the second one is the general welfare. And that's what the representatives that they elect were supposed to do. When you read 51 and you read 55 and they talk about what they're supposed to do, they're supposed to take all of these different interests that are sent to them and not to be responding only to their constituents, but to take what the constituents say and refine and enlarge the view so that it protects their individual rights, but it also supports the general welfare. And you can't just have something that only benefits Colorado or only benefits Utah or Kansas or whatever. It has to take their interest and refine it and enlarge it so that it protects everybody and everybody is treated the same. And those are the main things. And if we, and, and they made this argument so well, Hamilton and Madison, that we do have our constitution and it was ratified. And it's because of these two things. And, and we can't minimize what these two essays in the Federalist Papers meant to what we are today and what we were back then. Uh, ben Martin, this is a great conversation. We're going to continue it, and uh, but we're out of time. And again, thank you to the Harris family for bringing this yes. to you. And Ben Martin, thank you.